When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. I don't care what you say. I don't care where you go or how long you stay. Someday, baby, you ain't going to worry, pull me anymore. Well, you take my money and you turn me out. You fill me up with nothing but self-doubt. Someday, baby, you ain't going to worry, pull me anymore. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly, and joining me to talk about the awesome, jaunty little tune, Someday Baby, from 2006's Modern Times, is a returning guest, my pal, Omar Uden. Hi, Omar. How you doing? Hi, Rob. I'm really happy to be here. I'm thrilled to have you back. It's been two years since you were on Pod Dylan, where we took that mad trip to uh, down into mysterious lands to talk about ISIS from 1976's well, I, I, Desire. You know, it's great because I, I was thinking about that, how the last time I was on the show, we had talked about ISIS. And just in thinking about, you know, the the, the selection of Someday Baby, which is a personal favorite of mine and, and yours, it's, you know, I was thinking about how ISIS is a muse for him. You know, ISIS was the sacred muse. And in Someday Baby, we're talking about another muse, maybe not so sacred, maybe something <laughs> more, a lot more profane. <laughs> Absolutely. And this, this is a... I'm glad that you selected this one because this is one of my favorite of his more recent songs. And it is a wonderful example of something that, that uh, pops up on the show every so often of where he, man he manages to pull this sort of magic trick where he does this version. I hear the first version and I go, well, that's perfect. That's just a perfect song. I love it. And there's no way to improve it. And then, <laughs> and then we'll get some alternate version as we do for Someday Baby. And I go, oh, that works on a completely different level. How does he manage to do that? And so I love it when we have those examples. And so we will be discussing the two very distinct versions of Someday Baby from Modern Times. And again, of course, Omar has been on the show before. So we already talked about uh, your sort of personal history with becoming a fan of Bob. So we can sort of jump right to the song. Um, where did you first hear this? Did you hear it off the record? Did you get Modern Times when it came out? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the way I think about this song is in many ways inextricably tied to the way I think about the album. Um, because, like, everything for me with Dylan, is with, I'm sure this is with you, too, in terms of Dylan, is, is contextual. Um, and when I, Modern Times is the first Dylan album that I remember as an adult eagerly anticipating. Um, I think I'm around your age, maybe a little bit younger. Um, and I, so I was, I was about 25 when modern times came out. And so, so before that, when I was an adult, like from the age of like, you know, or 16 or 17, 18, every Dylan release, it was not something I was eagerly anticipating. I mean, I wasn't a huge, huge fan, like back when I was in high school, but his work for starting from his releases starting from time out of mind had so sort of captured the zeitgeist and captured the attention of mainstream music outlets and fans that you know you start to organize you started to organize yourself around Dylan releases like they became an event and and what really struck me about modern times was I was anticipating it I think it was like August of 06 and I distinctly remember I had just 
you know, t- I just uh, finished up the bar exam. Um, and I, you know, you're, you're just kind of emotionally spent after that kind of, um, that kind of endurance, uh, contest and, and, and three years of law school and modern times was the first piece of media that I remember anticipating like at that time. And the thing is, when you think about the context, it's like, you know, Dylan had always just kind of loomed in my head as this mythical figure, but I hadn't really engaged with his music until time out of mind came out and it just knocked me out so much that I went back to the the back catalog and that's when i really fell in love and so modern times was like oh this this wonderful recording this great output likely this last gasp of genius from this guy <laughs> that really pushed me to you know go in and and you know revisit the back catalog and, and that alone would have been a miracle right and so 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 you think of modern you know you think initially of time out of mind as a fluke and then the guy wins the oscar three years later for the things of change song from wonder boys and he releases um, love and theft and you're like oh man <laughs> two stone cold classics in a row that's like after after such a rough patch that's lightning in a bottle wow fantastic and then when i started hearing the the the, the leak songs this is back when mp3s were a huge thing when i started hearing the leak songs from modern times and i started re- reading the reviews it went from oh this is an aberration to oh this is a fluke to Oh, we're in an era. Right. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. We're, we're in an era of Dylan and modern times was like the, the, the capstone of that particular era, like this decade of genius that started with time out of mind, this like overly produced, which is still wonderful, overly produced record that just sort of evolved in this ramshackle freewheeling, you know, like <laughs> I've grown out of fucks to give. <laughs> um, as evidenced by the fact that he he wasn't even he wasn't even pre, you know he he had Lanois on to produce Time Out of Mind, but by the time you get to Love and Theft in Modern Times, he's doing that weird ass Jack Frost thing where mm-hmm. he's self producing, um, and and it has a real. I mean, I'm curious if you agree. I'm sure you do to an extent. It, these records, but particularly Modern Times, have this like ramshackle, awesome feel. Like I'm in the studio or really a whiskey bar with these guys. Um, just kind of hanging out as they're jamming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is, I, I agree. I, I love Time Out of Mind. I think it is a masterpiece of a record. But at the same time, I didn't or don't want to hear all albums of Bob Dylan produced by Daniel Lenoir. So I was sort of happy that he moved on to this Jack Frost persona that he's doing. I mean, why he can't just put his own name on these records, I, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, uh, of of the four Jack Frost records so far, uh, that are original recordings. I like to knock on wood here that there's maybe more to come. But of the four, Modern Times is my favorite. Uh, I just think it's the strongest collection of songs. Uh, like I bought it the day it came out. Of course I did. I remember I ordered it from Amazon on, on vinyl and CD. Oh, wow. And it was waiting for me on my doorstep on the Tuesday it came out. And I remember coming home and just being so excited. Or, you know, I'd pull the shrink wrap off and I'm like, I can't wait to, to listen to this. But yeah, like you, yeah, Love and Theft, it was like, wow, another great record. Boy, how many, this is amazing. You did two in a row. And then when Modern Times came out, you're like, oh, okay, this is a whole new phase of his career he's entered. And and we're on along for this ride, and it's been you know it's been wonderful. This is amazing. It, it, yeah, like absolutely. And and you know the thing about modern times in particular was um, you know the, the, there were a lot of the I remember like a lot of press coverage um, that came out about the the opening track Thunder on the Mountain because it had that Alicia Keys reference. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, and it had a song uh, um, when the levees break. You know, like referencing the the then recent 
tragedy in New Orleans, you know, with Katrina and everything. And, and that got the lion's share of the attention. But this this track, hmm. like this is the one that to me epitomizes. And then this is a very grandiose statement. So I think it's think it's just because I've been engaging with it very recently and because it's my favorite song of the era. But like to me, this song epitomizes that decade of Dylan. It's this like sort of ramshackle like like commitment to to the blues style with like very personalized lyrics that like sort of askew lofty principles that are are you know are both engaging and like they turn chilling and somewhat dangerous um and it just shows the like the power of Dylan as a songwriter to sort of subvert our expectations a little bit um and you know the fact that it borrows heavily borrows liberally from <laughs> <laughs> the great American songbook, uh, I think is also kind of perversely one of its strengths. I, I was thinking about how it's one of the few times of like blatant plagiarism that doesn't bother me. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've said numerous times on, on this show that I just don't have an ear for uh, music in terms of like understanding uh, how it works, how it's put together, how a song is put together. Uh, I just don't understand any of it. And I, you know, I, there were people who are very good at this stuff and they can hear two or three notes of a song and immediately go, Oh, that's from this. And I can never hear any of that. That said, even for this song, I knew I recognized the riff. You know, as soon as I heard that, da, yeah. da, 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 I'm like, I've heard that before. And of course, it is from, um, it, it's got numerous sources. The earliest one is Worried Life Blues by Sleepy John Estes. By, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And there's been, there's been mul there's, uh, multiple different versions of this song. There's like is, a Muddy Waters version. Muddy I Waters think version. Almond Brothers. Almond Brothers. Yeah. I mean, this riff is absolutely from other songs. And it's sort of funny because as we go down into the lyrics here, I think Bob sort of cops to that. I mean, I, I, I mentioned the, um, I quoted the first two verses and he continues on. He says, uh, when I was young, driving was my crave. You drive me so hard, almost to the grave. Someday, baby, you ain't going to worry po me anymore. Something is the matter. My mind tied up in knots. I keep recycling the same old thoughts. Someday, baby, you ain't going to worry po me anymore. So I feel like right in that line, he's copping to it. You know, he's sort of saying, I'm recycling these tunes that I hear in my head, which I think is really funny. He's sort of saying, right, yeah, yeah, this is I, – I lifted this tune from other people. Of course they did. You won't yeah, recognize he's, this. I he's love calling that. his own – she's calling his own shot. And like, <laughs> I, you know, for what my, for if memory serves, when people were raising um, issues with it – I mean, first of all, uh, you know, it's all public domain stuff. So, yeah. you know, like buzz off with that, first of all. And second of all, I don't think he ever – pretended that he was doing anything other than that both mm -hmm. in as you point out the lyric itself but also in like subsequent discussions of the music is or whatever we can glean from how clear he is from subsequent discussions of the music he's never like no what are you talking about i'm outraged that you would suggest that he's like <laughs> no yeah that's what that's what we do mm -hmm. like we sort mm -hmm. of borrow from like the great american songbook and we you know good artists borrow great artists steal and like that's totally fine so like that never bothered me and like no that's a really perceptive uh, take on the fact that he's just kind of hiding out in plain sight, um, which is fantastic. And, you know, as you go through these lyrics, as you recite them, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind is, damn, it's a really good thing that American blues music is so engaging, so damn catchy, so artfully constructed and has so much soul because the protagonists of American soul of American blues music are so often such like pathetic self-pitying characters. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, the the guy uh, who is singing the character in the song, uh, I mean, he's clearly, yeah, he is very self-pitying, and he's also, you know, uh, like in a lot of Dylan songs, he's kind of violent. Uh, I mean, he yeah. goes on, he says, something is the matter, my mind tied up in knots. I can't, oh, we keep reciting the same old thoughts. So many good things in life that I overlooked. I don't know what to do now, baby. You've got me so hooked someday, baby. You ain't going to worry about me anymore. Going to get myself together. I'm going to wring your neck. When all else yep. fails, I'll make it a matter of self-respect. Someday, baby, you ain't going to worry about me anymore. I mean, that's that's that, that's like a rap lyric. I mean, this kind of yeah. a guy who is like, you, you, woman, have forced me to do this to you, which is the ultimate in self-pitying, you know, uh, self-male aggrandizing bullshit. Uh, and yet Bob is sort of slipping into that character over this incredibly jaunty beat. I mean, one yeah, of the, that's what's great about it. I, one mean, of, like, I mean, that's what's horrifying about it. Yeah. Like, that's what's great about it, too. It's like, and one thing that, like, that jumps out too in the lyric it's that he's not just pathetic and bitter which is you know like which is obvious but he's also it's also very like anti-free will right it's like well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's no way i can get out like you you, like i'm here i'm cemented like there's no way out of this paradigm so like i'm just going to like sit and like and like let the bitterness like wash over me and like and my mind's going to contort to like and go to like the very darkest places it's very very chilling and the fact that it's contrasted with this jaunty rollicking upbeat is I mean, listen, if it had just been this version alone and we didn't even have the telltale signs, which we'll get to in a minute, um, it would still be such a striking, memorable, era-defining song for him and one that really sort of encapsulates uh, um, a modern take on American blues music. It's like that contrast between that those lyrics and like the fact that the the music just makes me kind of want to get up and, and do a little dance. Yes. And, and you know. It's it's unbelievable, and it, because if you sit and parse with it, this is not someone we can get behind. There's nothing remotely <laughs> heroic about this protagonist. I can easily imagine, and I'm sure you can too. This guy, like sitting on like a on a on a set of steps, like just drinking alcohol, like you know, half in the bag, like completely just just disconnected from his day-to-day life and just ruminating on all the things he could have had and willingly gave up for this woman. And I think that the contrast to Isis, where we're deifying her, where we're mythologizing this woman, Mm. where we're making her, like, so other. And then, like, to me, this is kind of the flip side of, well, I caught up to her, and she's she's done wrong me. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the dance thing because this was one of the things that occurred to me when I heard the song. It's like there are not many Bob Dylan songs you can dance to. I mean, he just yeah. is not that guy. And yet yeah. this song is, is is perfect for that. It really does make you want to kind of get up and move around. And, of course, this song was used in an ad for iPods. For iPods, that's uh, right. And, I mean, not only is the song in the ad, Bob is in the ad. And this was yeah. – we forgot to mention this in the couple epi- – when I uh, – me and Pat Butler a couple episodes ago talked about Bob Dylan as an advertising uh, pitch man. We forgot to mention this this spot. And I love – this ad and it's just this this blank white background which of course making it yep. look like an apple uh, store and it's bob in front of an old-timey microphone singing this song meanwhile you've got this really groovy chick with her ipod and her uh, her headphones dancing away to this song and it's it's such a simple 
um, visual. It's just the girl dancing and Bob singing as he's sitting on the, the, the sitting on a bench on a on a stool in front of this microphone. And it made me wish that this was there was a whole video that this was just the video for the song. Oh yeah, as opposed to because oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah, really yeah, is this, incredibly. I mean, I would think if you're an average person, you would be like, this is a Bob Dylan song. This thing, this thing's yeah. really catchy. And that's the thing. It's like the, the the things that come to mind there are. You know, what makes the modern times, time out of mind, uh, love and theft era so poignant is that he had regained like such critical and commercial standing that he would be featured in an iPod commercial in 2006, (laughs) in 2006. Like, that's astounding. 70 year old Bob Dylan. (laughs) Yeah, he had not. He he had long since, you know, uh, in my mind before that point crashed out of like major cultural consciousness you know before time out of mind you're thinking about him as like this the weird christian guy from the early 80s or just kind of the sad pathetic empire burlesque was that the record from like 85 (laughs) where he's trying to use like synthesizers and be mr mtv like it's just and then all of a sudden you see that commercial juxtaposed with that song and i hope by the way i i i'm ashamed to admit i did not catch that episode when talking about his um his his commercials but like i hope you guys talked about went deep on that victoria's secret ad which we did talk just, about that one yeah yeah which is just astounding and just so so the fact that, that that bob dylan of all people would be in that ad and that it's this song you know and the fact that this song was so ubiquitous you know i gotta tell you never have i seen such a disconnect between how a song like breached through, uh, broke through into like the popular consciousness to the point where it's on this TV ad. Honestly, it reminded me of how, you know, people used to go up to like Sting and like proudly tell him they would play, they, that they played Every Breath You oh, Take right. as the first song at their yeah, wedding. Yeah, yeah. And Sting was just like, do you know what that song is about? What, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, and that's just kind of the, 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 the deceptiveness that our, you know, the deceptiveness of our ear. We, you know, we, we just were so conditioned to, you know, uh, reaching out to that kind of uplifting, jaunty music. And we we tend to overlook, you know, the reality of the lyrics. And that, to me, is why the Telltale Signs version takes it from a wonderful, possibly era-defining song. If it was just that, it would be great. But I think the the Telltale Signs version takes it into stone-cold genius. Because for me, that's a transition from, like, catchy song great lyric like really you know just really galvanizing to like haunting and devastating yeah i i do before we move on to the telltale signs i do want to mention the last couple of verses of the original version he says you can take your clothes and put them in a sack you're going down the road baby and you can't come back someday baby you ain't gonna worry about pull me anymore i try to be friendly i try to be kind now I'm going to drive you from your home just like I was driven from mine. Yep. Someday, baby, you ain't going to worry po me anymore. And it's sort of funny because when you when you read the lyrics, it's like, well, the refrain, the someday, baby, if you just read the refrain, you sort of take it as he's going to leave this woman, which is relatively innocuous, you know. But, I mean, when, when you read the rest of the words, it takes more – it takes much more of an ominous cast to it because you're not going to worry about – Po me anymore, which again, you hear it, you're like, well, he's going to leave her alone. No, I think he's going to kill this woman. And, <laughs> I, I and, think and so her too. worries <laughs> are over because she's going to be probably in a ditch somewhere. And you're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the, the, you know, you can go on, go along with an alternate interpretation right up the time, right up to the time he talks about like putting his hands on her neck. And then that to me, I'm just like, yeah, it's pretty unambiguous at that point. And, you know, but the thing is, Rob, I don't know whether it's, 
the genius of the song construction or because I am just a shallow man who wants to believe the best about everyone. But, you know, I like to <laughs> You're think a lawyer, right? That the, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I like to think that the ominous quality of the lyrics aside, like, and again, this is a lot like saying, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> the, ominous, the ominous quality of the lyrics aside, tell me that there is a small small part of you in your in your raw brain that can imagine these lyrics and that type of song and this type of song with this arrangement in particular being sung by dylan like in a whiskey bar but you see like a a, a smile and a wink coming from him where you just kind of feel like okay we're all in on this joke oh totally totally and that, yeah. that's what i feel like i can hear in the vocal performance is that he's it sounds grim, but then there's just something so, again, between it's the beat and just the way he sings it that sounds so kind of, again, upbeat that, you, yeah, you're like, it just doesn't come across as maybe depressing as it could have, <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's just the way he puts it I mean, all it, it's, it, listen, it's a, it's a low bar. It's just, you know, and, and again, maybe we're trying, because we're such, you know, Dylan freaks, maybe we're trying to sort of retroactively justify a song that is nothing but laced with self-pity that that then immediately flips and becomes vengeful but i would just like to think that you know there is it, it is done with a little bit of uh, you know a wink and a nudge that like everything's going to be okay uh we're just clowning around folks um and i think that's that's part of his charm you know that like that's part of sort of the troubadours you know like effect on people that he can be so mesmerizing and so charismatic and so like quick witted that partially we, we can never tell whether he's serious or he's joking or his more haunting refrains are, you know, they, 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 they he pulls back just a little bit, just one or two percent that makes you think that like he's not completely irredeemable, our protagonist. Right. It's funny you mentioned the clowning around because, of course, the name of this record is Modern Times, which shares the title of a famous Charlie Chaplin yep, uh, film. Absolutely. And Charlie Chaplin is one of the great screen, you know, both comedians and trage tragedians or whatever that word is uh, at the same time. I mean, I mean, he was his films were riddled with pathos, but yet he was a clown. Yet he was. Always and and it must be said, Dylan also had a very weird mustache and still does around that time that <laughs> evokes the Charlie Chaplin Hitler comparison. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it really is. And it also uh, part of where the, the song is placed, it is right in the center of the record. It's track five, uh, right before, which uh, right before uh, working man's blues number two, which I think is one of the great, I, I honestly think one of his late period masterpieces that song. But I mean, it's, I, I remember reading an interview with him where he said that one of the things he came away from the, the time out of mind sessions a little bothered with is that he thought there weren't enough up tempo songs. He just yep. felt it was a little too, a little too turgid, a little too slow, a little too this. So of course, if you look at the records he's done since they, they are much more, uh, changing keys and changing tempos with every song and so this oh, thing absolutely after the ballad of when the deal goes down you've all of a sudden got this boom 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 boom, boom, boom and it just yep. moves and you're just like it is it's this again it's it's kind of reminds me of um the christmas record christmas in the heart where he sticks the must be santa song right in the center of that record and it's just like a shot of adrenaline right in the middle of the record and so it's perfectly placed uh on this on this album is that yeah i mean right i think when you when you look at modern times you know like the the songs like someday baby and trouble no more you know the, like the, the trouble no more version of, of someday baby that he's using like he i think he looks at it as like a counterbalance 
to songs like When the Deal Goes Down and Working Man Blues, Working Man's Blues, right. number two. You know, and I think that he had given a quote right around the time of um, of uh, Love and Theft when he was just like, look, I've always taken care of my records, but now I no longer trust anyone, you know, mm. and, and I have to think that, sort, you know, having that as a counterbalancing force was something that if he had been working under the constraints of God bless him, Daniel Lanois, and I think, by the way, Lanois, I think is a terrific producer, not only did a great job with Time Out of Mind, I'm a big fan of what he did on Oh Mercy, um, you know, and he's done a lot of other great stuff. He kicked I Bob. Just, he kicked Bob in the ass right when Bob really needed it. I mean, let's no, be, let's be fair. Right. You know, I, I think that's right. But but like any relationship, you know, at, at some point, you know, especially any professional relationship, at some point, having been put right back on track, I think Dylan's ability to sort of be autonomous to work on his own arrangements. I think at that point he'd earn the right to trust his own instincts. Sure. Um, and, and so I think the 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 up-tempo version of Someday Baby was something that probably Lanois might have squelched if he had been <laughs> right. in on it. I don't know. That's a terrible thing to say, but that, I have my suspicion. I Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. I can't, I can't hear this song on a Lanois record. I can't hear this. This, this no. does not sound like anything. Now, what I could hear is the aforementioned alternate version, which oh, yeah. I did not even know existed until this set came out, the Telltale Signs came out of the bootleg series. And this, again, this is one of these things where this is why I keep going back to this guy is that, uh, you know, he's given me so much, but then he keeps finding ways to 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 completely uh, shake up the apple cart where I say, oh, well, this version is perfect. There's never going to be another better version of this. And then I hear a completely different take and it works uh, just as well in a completely different way. And I can think of a bunch of examples of that. But this was one of those ones where I was like, okay, this song works perfectly as this up, upbeat boogie. That's how it works. That's what makes it work. And that little, yep. and now all of a sudden I hear this. And I remembered when I, I distinctly remember the first time I bought the, the bootleg series and I'm listening to this and you hear that opening, but it's, it starts with the drum and yep. you've got the gun, you've kind of got this march all of a sudden. And I'm like what wait a minute is this the same song and it does open with the same verse and i'm like oh okay i don't all right i don't i don't like this this is clearly he picked the right one but damn it if the thing if it, it started to go and move forward and then there were some new words and i'm like hmm wait a minute all right and by the end of it i was like that completely works on its own level and i'm like damn it how does he do it and tell me if I'm off base here, but I feel like one of the things that distinguishes – and again, I want to emphasize. If, it had, if we had been given nothing more than the up-tempo normal version of Someday Baby, it would still be, to me, this fantastic era-defining song that sort of encapsulates everything it was doing at that time. Uh, wonderful, like a lot to break down. But I kind of think that the Telltale Signs version, doesn't it sound like the work of someone like – 10 15 years at least older than the dylan we got on modern times like the weariness and the wariness in his voice and the just the absolute hesitation and suspicion that like that is flooding through that colors the lyric and the little adjustments he makes to the lyrics themselves oh man fantastic <laughs> i mean like it's it, it, it feels like whereas with the up-tempo version you feel like you have him and his buddies you know, maybe like seven or eight of them just kind of in a room jamming. 
here you have him, the drummer, maybe another dude. And it's just this soulful, it just seems like this soulful rumination on like aging and sacrifice. And like, it's less, it's less angrily bitter than to me it is sad and forlorn. Yes. And that to me yes. just kind of elevates it into the territory of like absolute stone cold genius. Yeah. Yeah, it really it, – it, it's amazing how he can transmogrify the same basic elements into something completely different. And he said – and I love his – on the, the, the record, on the Modern Times, his his vocal is – again, it's going to get that kind of flinty blues thing where he's kind of um, chewing the words a little bit, you know, where he, where he sings it along about, you know, driving was my crave. And I, could, I always had the toughest time to even figure out what he was saying because he's just – he's like, driving was my crave. Like he's kind of just muttering. Yeah. But in this version – I'm sorry for everybody for doing a horrible imitation of Bob. But for uh, for, the, for the version on Telltale Signs, he is crisp. The lyrics yep. are incredibly crisp. And then this, it's the third verse where he changes it and he sings, you take my money and you turn me out. You fill uh, me up with nothing self-doubt. but self-doubt. And then in the fourth yep. verse, he says, you made me eat a ton of dust. You're potentially dangerous and not worthy of trust. And the, the way he spits out the, you make me eat a ton of dust and you can hear the and it's like he is leaning into the mic so bad and it's just like again i i i so i wish someone would sit with him like songwriter magazine or somebody that is just a music driven outfit not rolling stone because i think bob's interviews with rolling stones are one giant put on but some other magazine where someone would just sit and talk to him about what it what he does as a recording artist because he has to sit and think about that he has to think about okay what vocal interpretation am i going to bring to this arrangement as opposed to the one i'm doing over here on the other version and i'm i love the alternate to any the 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 in the very next verse he changes again he says little by little bit by bit every day I'm becoming more of a hypocrite hypocrite Some, yep. <laughs> it's like this is fantastic this thing can I ask can I ask in terms of your perception of these different versions David by saying like yeah but it's Dylan it's the up tempo he's into it so maybe there's a little bit of irony a little bit of a wink if you were to compare the protagonist described in each of these versions. Through the the change in arrangement, through the the change in how he leans into the lyrics, and the change of the composition of the lyrics themselves, which protagonist are you more like? Do you feel like you have a more reasonable belief that he's going to kill this woman? Uh, the guy, hmm, the guy, probably the guy on the the modern times version yep. is is much more. Uh, he seems much more self-pitying. He seems much more, you're my problem and I'm going to solve it by getting rid of you. The guy on Telltale Signs is more sad and and you said you already said that, but sad and resigned, and even has the line about when you were when you were cold, I bought you a coat and hat. Uh, you must have forgotten about that. Which is even then, it's yeah. kind of like a joke, slight of a joke, slight uh, kind of a jokey sort of line. So yeah, I think the guy on Telltale Signs is more sad and resigned. And this that version I could have heard on Time Out of Mind. I think that's right. I, I think that's right. You know, in a common thread with both of these versions. Um, in thinking about this and in, and in, you know, trying to get other people's take on it, I came, I stumbled across, you know, what I thought was a, a, a fairly perceptive view of like the guy's state of mind when like putting this kind of song together and like, and, and putting together this, I guess we're calling it a narrative. 
Um, you know, and I can't, I wish I could credit who, who had said this. I, I, it seemed smart and I jotted it down. And this, this take was that, you know, Dylan at this point reaches sort of this sense of inner peace around modern times. He becomes a lot more comfortable with the distance between himself and the world and God. And he's not like spending any more time railing against a world gone wrong. Um, and, and, but, but, but Someday Baby is an exception um, against all the other songs on modern times because it's not blissful at all, but it's, it's on edge. Mm-hmm. So this guy is just like, you know, I'm thinking about it as like a Zen master who's got bills to pay. <laughs> you know, not only, not only does inner peace not translate to this peaceful life, it's supposed to act as a center of gravity for when things like go to hell, you know, just like the romantic troubles that have befallen the protagonist here. And, you know, when I think about the, the contrast between the two versions, I think if, I think you're right that like if anyone's going to off this woman, it's the the protagonist modern in modern times. But I feel like the protagonist in Telltale Signs might off himself. <laughs> that's yes, it, the, 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 that's that, I feel that's always uh, inherent in a lot of these songs is that it's a guy who he it's almost like he needs to uh, and I, I don't mean to take this too far, but of course that's what we're here. That's what the show's all about. Is that it's like. There, there's this guy uh, who Bob is playing uh, whenever he's singing. The guy needs to like be self actualized, self actualized. Like he yeah. has to do something to prove to himself that he exists. And sometimes it's outwardly violent, and other times it could be inwardly violent. You know. And so yeah, I could sure. hear this guy. Uh, the, half the guy, half the songs on Time Out of Mind sound like a guy that could just kill himself. Because he's just yes. like, well, what else have I got to do? You know, and then, and then do trying it. to get to heaven before I close the door. Right, not exactly. Dark yet. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there definitely has that that feeling to it. And I said, I just love that he did this completely alternate version. Now, I was doing a little bit of research on it, and one of the sites that I visit all the time is uh, I've mentioned it's called Untold Dylan, which you can find at bob dylanorguk and it's written mostly by Tony Atwood. And I really like uh, Mr. Atwood's takes on on Dylan's songs. He basically has an article on every single Dylan song. Uh, you can mm-hmm. just put it in the search bar. And so he actually has a couple different um, articles on Someday Baby, one of which he even says where he talks about the time uh, Telltale Signs version. And he mentions that probably the reason that this version was not picked is because of, as he puts it, a guitar screw up. And he said if you listen, oh. if you listen to the song on the first guitar break – uh, it says the the solo is completely fumbled. In fact, he said, I'll quote him right here. He says, goodness, this is one hell of a song. Another masterpiece, in fact, but utterly ruined by inept lead guitar work that destroys everything. Just listen again to that first guitar break when he does the descending line of notes in playing the chorus line. It sounds like an inept 16-year-old with his first guitar playing gooey pop and makes the take utterly unusable. What a tragedy. And I will, I will admit, like I said, I don't have an ear for this stuff. And when I read that, I was like, really? So why would I? So I went back and listened to it. And with that, in with uh, Mr. Atwood's uh, uh, words ringing in my head, I heard it. I heard the, oh, how the okay. solo does get messed up, and it's kind of amazing because I never even noticed it. But yeah, it really does get messed up. But it clearly Bob felt no need to persevere with this version because they obviously could have just done it again or. Uh, and I know Bob doesn't do this very much, but he he can of of like just redoing the solo and dropping it into the song if he really wanted to. So obviously, 
Um, I don't know uh, which version came first, whether this was an, uh, you know, the, an earlier version and then the, the one on Modern Times was the later one or the other way around. But I hear it after he pointed it out. I can hear it that that guitar solo does get screwed up a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I didn't even notice it until I until I didn't even know. I didn't even notice it either. And, you know, this is, again, exhibit number 771 as to why the bootleg series are not some kind of preordained cash grab. Right. You know, <laughs> right. I have not encountered a single one yet in all the multiple versions where I'm just like, ah, this is superfluous. You know what I mean? And I would really urge all, you know, all your listeners out there, casual fans, like if you are into a particular record or a particular era, do some due diligence. And I think you would agree, do some due diligence to find out the exi- about the existence of alternate recordings uh, that are epitomized by the official bootleg series, because when you find them, I think you'd be hard pressed to listen to them and say that was a waste of time. More likely than not, you're going to listen to them as I have every single version that's been released and been like, you know, I either like this more than the original version or this version sort of deepens and expands my appreciation of the original version. And this is a good little tune as well, um, almost, almost without exception. And I remember Telltale Signs came out, I think, in the fall of 08. Um, and it was just on the heels of a lot of, of bootleg series releases by Dylan. And I was just like, what's going on here? I mean, the streak has to end. At some point, he has to release just alternate takes that are just utter crap. <laughs> but, I mean, I, if I, I should have known. If he can do, like, a, a self-portrait bootleg series that is genius, yeah. then, you know, who am I to, you know, to, to quibble with that? But, I mean, I have to say, it, de- it, 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 it this one pulled off the rare trick of, making me appreciate this version on its own, the Telltale Signs version on its own, as this elegant, haunting, like, brooding masterpiece. But it also made me appreciate and contextualize the Modern Times version, which I still think is, like, absolutely super. I, I think it, I mean, not that it matters in the great scheme of things. I think it won, this song won a Grammy. It I, did. I was going to, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to mention it won, he won Best Solo Rock Vocal Performance for this version I mean, in the, to 2007. Listen, I know that a lot of times, the especially as time has gone on, the Grammys have sort of diverged from, you know, the best music that's out there. And oftentimes they end up as like Lifetime Achievement Awards or and awards that don't really capture what's going on in music right now. I would say this was exceptionally well-deserved. Um, it's it's a great lyric. Um, it is It is definitely a lyric that makes you think three or four or five times. Um, it is the musicianship is stellar. The construction is great. And I think it really is the signature song of this like early and mid 2000s era. Dylan, where he sounds, he's he just he, the craftsman, like Dylan is craftsman. Just he sounds in total command of what he's doing. Absolutely. I said it's it's it's. It's a song that just uh, it appears often when I make my Dylan playlist because again it's just such a great rock and up tempo number. And then again, if I want to, if I'm in a more reflective mood, I put on the other version and I just listen to that kind of brooding march where it's again, it's it's it really is kind of like a, in, in comic book speak, like Earth One, Earth Two, where you really are hearing something that you're so intimately familiar with, and then you hear the same words in a completely different context, and you're just your brain has to scramble a little. And you're like, wait, I, I know this, but it doesn't sound like what I know it. And it's just amazing that he has all that in his head to be able yeah. to do that, to j- just transpose this stuff and say, oh, we could try it like this. And, uh, you know, you mentioned I mean, the, the, the bootleg series. I mean, good Lord. I, I, 
I, not to get too far off topic, but but yeah, I will admit that when they first said that they were releasing a bootleg series of of self portrait, I was like, really, a whole a whole set on yep. that record. And now yep. I heard that I heard that set, and I went, oh well, there's an entire masterpiece buried yep. in the archives for self portrait. So yep. I'm like, okay, well now we need to get a bootleg series for every record. We just need to, no, that's absolutely. what we need to have for every record. I, I just. <laughs> I couldn't agree more because the thing is – and then I think when Telltale Signs came out, it was the first time – correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, because I think it was the volume eight of the bootleg series. But yes. from what I remember, it was the first time there was a bootleg series release that was attempting to memorialize modern-day Dylan music. Yes. Because I think the stuff before that had been like, all right, one through three is a lot of stuff from the 60s. You know, I think four was the, the, the concert where he plugged in. Five was Rolling Thunder. And, and the volume six was uh, the, the concert at Philharmonic Hall, I think, 1964, during the um, Another Side of Bob Dylan era. I can't remember what – I think the Scorsese movie soundtrack, which, again, harkens back to his early stuff in the 60s. Um, I think eight is the first time the, – the, the Telltale Signs is the first time he's sort of offering up alternate versions of modern-day Dylan, I remember when it came out, I was just, my first thought was, whoa, slow your roll, fella. Like, <laughs> we have not enough time has passed for this music to become legendary enough for you to be like, oh, hey, there's alternate stuff, too. But how wrong I was on multiple counts. How wrong I was that that music, you know, at the time I knew it was really good. I didn't realize it would stand the test of time as well as it had. And I also thought, you know, what useful can be, you know, can be plucked out of here? Well, I think for Someday Baby alone, if it had contained nothing other than that alternate track of Someday Baby, it would have been great. But, I mean, frankly, it made me think differently of Mississippi. It made me think differently of a whole lot of songs. Oh, Girl from um, the Red and, River Shore, you know. Oh, <laughs> it's just, it's a, like, absolutely. So, so I think, you know, and in terms of Someday Baby, the, the regular version on Modern Times, you know, again, I would really urge everyone. I, I think Modern Times is a, is a seminal Dylan record, you know, it was the point at which you could like take off the qualifier. Oh, it's it's pretty good for a modern Bob Dylan record. No, it is a stone cold classic Bob Dylan album. Full stop. And I would you know, this is this sounds like hyperbole, but I would put it right up there with like, you know, all the 60s stuff. I think that that time period of 97, to like 2007. And honestly, if he hadn't like if he hadn't done um, the 2009 album and it just been those three in Tempest, I would have been like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> un- this is unbelievable. But just even those three records alone, you know, they, they really are an anchor and like a signpost moment in his career. And I think, you know, there's a looseness and a freewheeling nature to the way Someday Baby is put together, the liberal way he just borrows from, you know, great songwriting traditions. And the other thing I would say about it, and the reason it epitomizes that record and that era for him so much is, just like he had mastered folk, and he had set the template for folk, and just like how in the 70s, like he had, in the late 60s and 70s, he'd moved on to like country and rock, and like mastered them, and like made them his own. So it is with like the, the like blues music, and like the and 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 the, the great blues tradition, what he did with you know Love and Theft and Modern Times, especially. Like I I think of him as not a dilettante. I think of him as like a master craftsman, a master songwriting, you know, songwriter in that in those those genres just as much as the folk stuff. And for for Dylan, given the incredibly high bar that he sets, I think that's saying something. 
That's true. Yeah, I agree, co-signed to all of that. Uh, the last uh, little data point I have on this song is in a typical act of Bob Dylan perversity, number of times this song has been played in concert, zero. He has never done this in concert, which you would you know, think it's funny. it would be a great yeah. song in concert. It's a great song to do. And, and you know, from if, if memory serves, I, I know that I, I think around Halloween, he had, he had come by Chicago and I had seen him. And I know you had seen him a few days later uh, out on the East Coast. And, like, I think we can agree he sounded great. He yep. looked great. I think, I mean, my, in my concert, he was playing guitar. There was there were a couple of of cuts from modern times, including yep, yep, Thunder on yep, the Mountain. Yep, yep. And so I was <laughs> I was kind of hoping that someday Baby would make it. And I didn't I didn't care if it was you know this version or the Telltale Signs version. I was waiting for it. And it's you know the epitome of me being a spoiled brat that like when I got a show that good when I when he rolled out as many of the hits that he did, there was a, a small like half a percentage of me that was like bitter and resentful. They didn't play what, for me, is sort of his signature tune from that era. Yeah. <laughs> it's like of any song that would really get everybody moving and dancing and just being like a great up-tempo number, and yet he's never done it. So, <laughs> But that, that's classic Dylan, right? Bob going to be mean, Bob, I, yeah. I, I remember, you know, like a great quick story um, was when he got his, like, Presidential Medal of Freedom. You know, he got it with a bunch of other celebrities. And uh, Barack Obama was president at the time, and he was talking about how all these other celebrities would, you know, they'd get their medal and, you know, they, they'd get awarded, they'd get feted by the press, and then they'd try to stick around and glad hand with the president. And, like, Dylan did not do that. Dylan showed up <laughs> at the White House, got his medal, and promptly left to the point where Obama and his staff were looking for him, and he was gone. And Obama was just like, you know, at the time I was disappointed, but then it's just like, you know what? You kind of want Bob Dylan to be the guy to show up and leave. You know, that's, like, very, like, you know— very, very on brand for him. So we were happy about that. And so it is with him being withholding. And as much as you were making reference to like how maddeningly opaque he, and his, he is in his Rolling Stone interviews, I, I love him for that. You're absolutely right that they're frustrating to read and they don't really say anything. But I, I love him for that. I, I love that, you know, he, he gives us what he thinks we need, but not what we want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's completely accurate. He puts on so many masks that I don't think we would recognize the real Bob Dylan if he took the mask off. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're so their faces are changing so fast that you would just be like, oh, it's just another mask. Like, wait, wait a minute. That might have been the real guy. Well, all right, it's gone now. Yeah. Too late. So, yeah, yeah. this and is hey, it's, it's, it's what it is part of his process. It is what allows him to continue to be him. Mm-hmm. I am hopeful, you know, especially as, as your podcast continues and you keep you know plucking great songs from his past. I'm hopeful because it's now been going on almost eight years since he's released an yeah, original record. Yeah. I, you know, an album like Modern Times and a song like Someday Baby with its lyrics, with its arrangements, with its like alternately loose ramshackle feel, but also this like the haunting spare quality that the Telltale Signs version has. Like, I, I think that he still has a couple of fantastic records left in him. And I hope that he, you know, listen, he's earned the right to do whatever he wants. Obviously, the whole ethos of Someday Baby is a guy who's out of fucks to give. But, like, I hope that for our sake that, you know, he's not done writing original songs or cobbling together original songs out of other material as he's done. Because, I, you know, I think a record like Modern Times and a song like Someday Baby um, along with his latter day work like Tempest and, and, and you know, Eleven Theft and uh, Time Out of Mind, it has shown that he is still capable of surprising us. And so I hope that, you know, he sort of uh, takes the time to, to, to write and, and share what he produces with us, because I think that'd be a real treat. 
Absolutely. And that's a perfect place to end it. So, Omar, thank you once again. You and I have done a bunch of shows together. We've done Cheerscast together with Ryan, and we've done Film and Water. And I always enjoy talking to you. And, this, you know, like, not to, again, not to get too, too far afield, but like one of the things that I always sort of hoped for when we created the Fire and Water Podcast Network was uh, kind of like uh, my version of, it, of, of a virtual salon, you know, where a bunch of people could mix and get together and create new things together. And, and that's really been happening. And there's, you know, all of the co-hosts do different things together and, and stuff like that. And then I love it when one of us brings a guest in that the others don't know. And I, I I know you through Ryan, and I immediately liked your appearances on. I think you did the "Give Me Those Star Wars" with him. I think that was your first appearance, yeah. right, with him. And I immediately was like, "Oh, that that guy was great." And I went to Ryan immediately. Said, "Can you know? Can I?" talk to omar too it'd be great and so i it's one of the best things about doing podcasts is getting to kind of talk to people you wouldn't normally get to talk to and i have thoroughly enjoyed every show we have done together and so we'll be doing another cheerscast very soon too i'm looking forward to yeah i'm looking forward to that and and you know in terms of these dylan podcasts and and the 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 film podcasts that we film and water podcasts that we've done dissecting uh the movies i think it was nixon and the verdict like i've just had a great time i mean it's it's nice enough to find people who share your interests and can talk intelligently about them uh when they're cool dudes uh that's always a, an added bonus so I, I do look forward to the next time we we talk be it about dylan be it about uh, uh movies that we're that we're dissecting together it's always you know a hell of a good time so so thanks for the opportunity thank you thank you we got to get to 12 angry men one of these days uh oh, so, damn right. so of course everybody uh, of course if you want to listen to the show you can subscribe to it on apple Podcasts and on stitcher and on spotify pod dylan is on spotify and who boy the downloads are through the roof thank you everybody over there uh, of course if you were always talking bob over on twitter which is that uh, pod underscore dylan and of course there's also all the back episodes of the show are on the website finewaterpodcast.com and finally if you want to support the fine water podcast network go to patreon.com slash fw podcast and uh, for various different rewards you can unlock uh you can unlock different rewards for various uh, pledges one of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice so i have to thank robert ward and another pledger who chooses to remain masked and anonymous for their support of pod dylan so that is going to do it for this episode thanks everybody for listening we will see you later I don't care what you do, I don't care what you say, I don't care where you go, or how long you stay, someday baby, you ain't gonna work for me anymore, well you take my money, and you turn me out, you fill me up with nothing Someday, baby, you ain't gonna worry for me anymore. Baby, eat a ton of dust. You're potentially dangerous and not worthy of trust. Someday, baby, you ain't gonna worry. Every day 
I'm a common law of a hypocrite Someday, baby You ain't gonna worry about me anymore 